Hello, and welcome to the Brick Cave Media Podcast. My name is Bruce Davis. I'm the author of Gold Magic from Brick Cave Books. <laughs> the Brick Cave Podcast is brought to you by the BC Book Club, Brick Cave's community portal for readers that love Brick Cave books and authors. You can join today and be part of the Brick Cave story at bcbookclub.com. Great. And my name is Sharon Skinner. I'm the author of The Exile's Gift, also from Brick Cave Books. We are here tonight in the Brick Cave studio, located at the Brick Cave office, right here in beautiful downtown Mesa, Mesa. Arizona. Not, not Brick Cave, though. So, shall we start with some writing updates? Sharon, yes, what shall. are you working on? So today I was working on tweaks for Return to Honoria, which is the sequel to the Nellig Stones. Ah. So that one is coming out soon. I've seen the artwork. I'm very excited. So um, the talented Kina Tech is doing the artwork for that. And I am, I realized that now that I'm, doing a lot more editing and book coaching that I had an opportunity to make that book even stronger just by making some tweaks. So I went in and did that today. Well, that's kind of cool. I've always found that critiquing other people's work helps me a lot more than maybe even being critiqued by someone. I agree. I think there's a lot of learning that goes on when you're looking at someone else's work. And it's harder to self-edit, you know, to look in your own work at, with that kind of an eye. Yeah, I, I find if I have to tell somebody they have a problem with their story, I, I may feel it, but I got to put it into words to make them understand what that problem is. Right, right. Articulating the problem helps you to really understand it better. I also find that when I teach... I learn and a lot of times I'll brush up on a topic before I go to speak uh, in public about it or when I'm building a new workshop I'll revisit a lot of my craft books so that I can really get that infused and so I relearn those things or I may see them in a different light and that's always helpful. I, I don't do the kind of things that you do with teaching the craft of writing. I do a fair amount of commentary for people that I'm critiquing as part of a group that I'm in, but it's the same kind of thing. If I, if I have to articulate what it is that I'm not seeing in the story or the problems that I see, I can say, oh, gee, I did that same thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And um, the other thing I've been working on is I just recently got my advanced book coaching certification from Author Accelerator. So I went through the process of learning all that, and I turned in my portfolio, and I have I'm now a certified book coach. Hmm. Yeah. You'll have to show me that. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of excited about it. That sounds like a lot of fun. So how has this and f 
forced homestay that we're all in, other than me, um, helped, hurt, affected your writing? Well, it's been fits and starts, I'll admit. Uh, I am coaching someone through a book, which helps kind of stimulate the brain, you know, make me think about what I could be doing with my books. But I've been writing mostly in my head. Now, that said, I did go back to my middle grade steampunk recently and redo the inside outline, which is an outline that goes through the plot, at both internally and externally for the characters. And I'm feeling much better about that book right now. Okay. I uh, have been very busy working. Just my yeah. day job keeps me busy. When I get to write, I have found it very difficult. I, I have trouble concentrating on the story. Mm -hmm. um, I want to escape and get into the world and get into the story, but it just seems to stall out. For me, the writing has been difficult because I feel like I just am not in a place where I can make one more decision. And I have to make all these decisions about the world and the characters and where they're going and what the, you know, the plot is going to happen. And so I've actually been reading a lot more. Yeah, so have I. Uh, just consuming books yeah um, I think I've read 13 books in the last three weeks <laughs> I don't think I could match those numbers but I think I'm averaging at least one a week yeah. and that doesn't count the audiobook that I listen to on my mm -hmm. way to and from work in the yeah. car so if you throw those in that's probably two or three a week yeah I just I don't know it just needed to really escape and that's always been mine books I haven't watched television in almost three months but I'm all in the books so I love the library doing their curbside service that's been great um, I just read The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern oh my it's swoon worthy. It's it's really brilliantly done. I've I've seen it. That's kind of on the list right now. I'm working my way through everything Michael Conley has ever written. Well, you know, it's different flavors for different folks always, and we don't always find ourselves pulled to the same things. And I'm a very eclectic reader. I read very widely and very broad broadly. So I recently read The Red Pencil, which is uh, a book that is uh, YA, and then I just read uh, Other Words from Home, which is a middle grade book in prose. So it's I'm, I've been all over the map. I find myself gravitating a lot more toward escapist fiction. Mm -hmm. Just thrillers, mysteries, mm -hmm. nothing that makes me think too hard. But that said, the other books I'm reading are pretty heavy nonfiction. Oh, like what? 
Well, uh, The Storm Before the Storm uh, by Michael Cole, I think. It is the hundred years of the Roman Republic leading up to Julius Caesar. Yeah. Okay, well, that sounds a little um, dry. <laughs> Actually, it's not. <laughs> oh, okay. It's, well, I mean, it's history, so you can look on history as dry. I've always looked on history as a novel. It just happens to be true, or a version of the truth. A version of the truth, yeah, I remember um, that. The disturbing thing about that book and why I got interested into it is that a lot of the things that are going on are very applicable to what's going on today. Uh, um, yeah. And it has some of my favorite people from the past. Marcus Tilius Cicero is one of my all-time heroes. Cincinnatus, um, the Gracca brothers, um, all the people who, with very good intent, tried to save the Roman Republic and failed. Mm. Okay. That sounds... Dry. Dry, <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna Not say your it. thing. No. Well, I, I like Egyptian history. I've read some Roman history, but it's not my favorite. Not my favorite era. Yeah, well... I'm... You know I'm more of a Civil War guy. Yeah, so. I know. I know. But... Uh, you can't put your brain in that right now, can I you? Can't, no. I can't. Well, I can, just not in the fiction. Yeah. Um, I, I've reread Ambrose Bierce's Landscape Turned Red. Um, I every now and again will pick up Shelby Foot just to check out a particular event and make sure I've got it right. So, yeah. Well, the other thing I've been working on is uh, the Tavara Tinker series. So I'm on the third uh, episode of that, and that's been fun because I get to go back and look at Victorian furniture and buildings and clothing. That's late Victorian, though, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm stuck in early, early Victorian. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, you would be. Yeah. This is just past that time. so. But, hey, there's some nice furniture out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't afford any of it, but it's pretty. You probably could have back then. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, to me, that's lazy. I did read another book, and we won't name names, but I read a book in that stack where I thought it started really well. I loved the structure. I thought the writing was excellent. The characters were very interesting. The story was a completely new take. And the ending was a cheat. I felt really cheated because there was this really weird twist at the end and no, no expectations set up for that. Now. I do understand now that I've gone back and looked it up that this is a first book in an expected series, but I didn't know that going in, and I feel like I got cliff hung, and I do not like being cliff hung. Neither do I. 
I've ha- I've read some books where that twist comes out of the blue. I don't mind it if there's even a little bit of setup, things that maybe weren't even memorable. But if you think about, oh, wait a minute. Well, it's not a cheat. <laughs> they really did set this up. Yeah, except I spent some time thinking about that, and I couldn't figure <laughs> out <laughs> where the hell that right. setup was. And I was yeah. like, in fact, I read two books like that recently, and I'm one of those people that uh, it, I think your writing's beautiful, and I really like the story and the character, but you do that to me without letting me know that it's coming. And I'm not going to read you anymore. You're on my n- no fly list. Yeah, yeah. I I have similar reactions to either that kind of thing, or or things where there are blatant inaccuracies or inconsistencies that are just kind of glossed over. Mm-hmm. Oh, when the world doesn't quite make sense, yeah. or they break their own rules. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah. it, they need to do that to get to the end. And mm, it's yeah, no. No, that's lazy writing. I mean, or so it's a writer who has written themselves into a corner. It's not laziness. It's just not good writing or good plotting. So when we talk about the cliffhangers on a first book, uh, one of the, people always say to me, well, you like the Lord of the Rings, so it's a cliffhanger. Well, no, that was written as a single book, and it was the publisher's choice to cut it up, and they published it pretty quickly so that you, you weren't sitting there going, okay, so in how many years is Can I read the rest in? of this? Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I don't mind... Well, I, I'm I'm the kind of guy who will wait until all three books are in print before I even start reading, because I won't wait, you know, yeah. to find out what happens next. I've talked to a lot of people at book festivals like that. They'll look at my book and go, "Are all is it done? Right? Is it Do finished? You have all three yeah. or all is five it, or whatever? It, right." why I, I do tend to try to write standalones that are sequels that are continuous right. but but each one finishes up story. at some point I do the same thing and I try to have a character arc and a plot as a, a full story in each book I will say that when people read the healer's legacy that second book is a lot like a second act book but that's normal I mean that's it's a three book series so that is the second act and it left in a place where the full story was told for that book so while people didn't like the ending uh, because it was a second act book um, they didn't hate it they just were like, well, I need the next book. I can't right. leave it there. Yeah. And the problem, I guess, with that is if that next book doesn't come forward fairly quickly, yeah, you, you lose interest. Lose. You can. But I have a lot of people now picking up Exiles so they can finish that journey. Right. So that's nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
it's I good mean, to it's have, have fans, but it's good to have loyal fans. Yeah, yeah. So what else? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, Bruce, we should talk about which Brick Cave books have been selling the best over the last month because, well, Platinum Magic is on that list, your book. So um, it's available for the first time as a hardbound edition. And I believe you have a copy right there. I am holding a copy in my hot little hands. And it's quite beautiful. I, I must say the cover art translated very well into a dust jacket. Um, and it's, it's well made. It's, it's a nice book. What are the features of the book in your hand? <laughs> features. Well, it's got your standard blurb in the front and the standard biography in the back. And then a really good story in between. And and did you take the dust cover off to look at the quality of the inside yes. cover? Is it? You know, it is, is nice, nice, sturdy, nice, hardbound, nice, sturdy, hardbound book. For go. those of you who like the feel of a hardbound book, this is for you. Well, and apparently there are a number of people out there who are interested in having it as a hardbound book. So um, I understand I'm, it's I'm selling happy to hear that. Uh, quite well as pre-orders. I hope at some point we'll be able to do appearances again so I can sign those books for those people. Would that be Because I appreciate nice? the sales. That would be lovely. Yeah. Even I, as introverted as I am, uh, I'd like to go out and do events again. Yeah, I, I miss it a great yeah. deal. Yeah, so I don't see it happening anytime soon since uh, L.A. Times did make the call on their book festival that was moved into October. So that call's been made. It's not happening. I think if we can get back into the season in the summertime next year we'll be lucky yeah I, I agree i agree i think there are ways you could set up a festival with face-to-face -face interaction that would be reasonably safe um but it wouldn't be the same as what we're used to with people be able to just wander about and you'd have to have some very specific traffic patterns and well, I think a lot of the reason that readers like to go to the festivals is because it's controlled chaos. Yeah. Or, and less on the control side, right. more on the chaos side. Yeah, you get to go wander around and say something that you never thought of grabbed right. your interest. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> oh, well, we can be sad and commiserate, but it doesn't really go anywhere. It's not going to change anything until it happens. Right. So. Yeah. So what else would you like to talk about tonight? Anything? Anything on your mind? There's lots of things on my mind, actually. <laughs> but what, I'm, what I would like to pick your brain about is you mentioned your outline for, for this upcoming book. Mm -hmm. I, you're an outliner. 
You're shaking your head. I am not. Because I thought you I, and I had I agreed am, that we were both sort of pants. I am a pantser, but I got this tool, and I thought I would try to apply it to the book in progress. Now, I, I don't know that I would ever sit down and do this before I actually embarked into the story, but this book stalled, and it stalled for a very good reason, and it wasn't because I was having writer's block or anything. It stalled because I was doing something that had already been done, Okay. and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to find some way to make it new and different and not a repeat of stuff that's already out there, so... I took this tool that I've learned how to teach to other people and I applied it to the existing book so I could see what was broken and what was really not working, rip that out and find some things to plug in that I think will work. And what it did was reset my brain about the story and the character arc and the journey and I needed that. I needed a reset. So I, I found it really helpful for me, even though I'm a pantser, to do that. Do I think I'll ever outline at the very beginning of a story before I ever write a word? No, because I'm a character-driven writer and storyteller. And I need to get to know my characters before I have any idea where they're going. That's interesting. I may pick your brain further about this tool. The third book in my Profit Logbook series is stalled halfway through because I realized I was retelling the, the same, same story, story I had told in the previous book with different circumstances, but essentially the same kind of plot. Yeah. And I need a different hook. Okay. Well, I'm happy to sit and talk to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We can do that because it's, again, now for people who are plotters, I used this tool with somebody I'm coaching a book with, and um, she is a save the cat person. So she did the save the cat outline. Now she's been working on this story. It's historical fiction. She's been working on it for some time. So she's tried to think about it in a lot of different ways. You know, picture book, is it a is it an illustrated book? Is it like manga? What what how she wanted to tell it. It's gonna be a novel. So she had already kind of formulated the story in her mind. So she went ahead and used the save the cat to plot it out. But the thing about that is is that you only get the external plot when you do the save the cat with this internal uh this um it's called the inside outline you plot that but then for every plot point that you plot on it you also look at the internal journey the internal component what's going on for the character internally at that point or because of that plot and that helps drive the decision making to what they do next which is your next plot point. So it's very interesting to make your brain kind of think in that terms. And to have somebody who's a plotter use this tool was really cool because they, the lights really came on on the character side of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Well, I'll have to give that a shot. I yeah. We can talk. Yeah. All we'll right. Talk. Yeah. So 
what else? Is that about it for us tonight? You want to close us out, Bruce? I think that was a cue that I missed. <laughs> Thank you again. Please pick up your cues. <laughs> They'll singe <laughs> in the cellophane. <laughs> oh, talk about obscure references that almost no one is going to get. You but you did, here in the didn't room you? Or sit here in the waiting room. Everybody, everybody in this room got it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for listening to this edition of the Brick Cave Podcast. Any anytime you would like to hear us, join us online at brickcavepodcast.com. Our BC Book Club members can enjoy extra episodes and other great advantages like free books. Details at the bcbookclub.com. Thanks again, everybody, for listening, and we'll drop by again soon. Bye.